0: Hey, if you are in the Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, or Tennessee area, you're going to want to check out indianabiblecollege.org forward slash tours because Corral Tour is headed your direction. And on that page, you can find out when we will be where. If you're in the Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, South Dakota, Nebraska area, You're going to also want to head to indianabiblecollege.org forward slash tours because Praise Tour is coming in your area. We look forward to seeing you out on the road. God bless. Welcome back to the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today we have a special treat for you. It's always good to hear from our pastor and president of Indiana Bible College, Brother Paul Mooney. Today he preaches a message entitled, The Reality of the Call. Before we get to the reality of the call, I want to let you know that over the summer we're not going to stop publishing content. We're going to change the format of the content a little bit and try out some things. So make sure you're sending us your feedback. At podcast at GO, the number two IBC.com. We look forward to hearing from you. God bless.
1: Thank you very much. Let's give our praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. Make a joyful noise. How many know God is good? Wow, I do want to talk to you from my heart today. And there's sometimes there's a, uh, I think preachers should always preach from their heart. But there's a, uh, there's sermons and then there's sermons and there, there's uh, things that we try to, to impart to others that uh, is, is uh, considered really important. So I'd like to think, at least in my own heart, that what I want to impart to you today or talk to you about, however you feel. Uh, is uh, is something from my heart to your heart, so that takes a little extra kind of thought, and it takes an extra kind of help from the Lord because it 's easy for and you may you may think this is a contradiction of some sort or you disagree in some sort and and maybe it would be open for discussion, but I, I really do believe that the mind to mind. The brain to the brain is one kind of communication. The heart to heart is another kind of communication. And really, the Bible challenges us to preach or speak, teach from our hearts. Because it's when hearts meet hearts that things really begin to change. So that's what I'm going to try to do today and obviously by the help of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say in Jesus' name. And uh um, Turn and shake hands with somebody and say hello or say something. Just be nice. Why don't you walk across the room and shake hands with a person you dislike the most here at Calvary? I mean, here at IBC. No, wait, don't do that. That was a joke. It was just a joke. Notice they got into that. They, were, they really got into that. Wow. Did anybody come over and shake hands with you? Just, oh, you did, oh okay, I guess you just kind of wanted to get rid of that, is that right? I'm glad no one shook hands with me or the staff <laughs> all right i didn't I didn't mean to start a revolution right there, but all right, God's good, isn't he? You may be seated. This is my cane. I don't call it a cane, I call it a walking stick. Since I've been using walking sticks most of my life. So, this is real sporty looking, don't you think? Yes. So there's things called reality. So uh, for an example, age is a reality. So I wanna open up just talking to you about reality. So if, uh, if I went, you, you uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, even I'm including the ladies because this would be applicable to either one of you. And you were all down into the gym and you were uh, playing basketball and, uh, If uh, Brother uh, Jason was, all Brother Turner, Brother Rodenbush, you, and we all came out and said, we would like to take on the best basketball players at IBC. Do we even have any basketball players in IBC? One or two. I'm not seeing a lot of passion for basketball lately. So... Men are less athletic than they were. No, no, this is a documentable fact. Men are, uh, are we live streaming? Oh my Lord, if there's anybody listening online today, please, uh, if I seem abnormal, this is the real Paul Mooney. I'm abnormal all the time. So, but anyway... Uh, that's a documentable fact. I mean, the research has proven that uh, men, young men, not so much women, because women are actually stepping up to become more athletic and more physical, and men are just starting to wear dresses and things like that. And it's a whole new world. It's hard to get a pickup basketball game. We're in the old gymnasium, are we not? Which was used for basketball sometimes 24 hours a day. It seemed like, maybe that's a bit of exaggeration, but, and uh, it was constantly back and forth and back and forth. But back to the point, if uh, we had a staff of, uh, a a group of staff players, we don't even have any real basketball players. Uh, Jim is one of our taller men. He's not maybe the tallest, maybe he's one of our taller men. He never did like basketball for that matter. Never played it much, did you? No. Even though he grew up in Indiana, he just didn't like, you know, he's so spiritual, he doesn't even play basketball. (laughs) But suppose that we all came out, even Jim Sliva, and we walked out and we all had canes. And uh, we were walking with these sticks and we were saying, hey boys, would you like to have a basketball game? And we'll put, we'll put something on the line, not money now, we don't do that. But you know, like special whatever, maybe uh, extra ice cream in the cafeteria or whatever. And, and you saw us all walking around with a stick and here comes Brother Mooney out. and say, Okay, I'm going to play center. Your fear, if you'd had any fear, it's gone (laughs) because you realize that five guys hobbling and having to get by with a cane are not likely, you know, basketball is an up and down. It's a pretty fast game, so you're not thinking that you're even close to being defeated. I can remember the last basketball game I played with the students, and it was right here in this Uh, room I'm talking about serious games those old games were serious games I mean everything was on everything was on the line your very life was on the line back in those days so we had a couple teams going and I was on one team and there was another team and I don't know about where was the the halfway court about right in here somewhere and so we I was uh, uh, the team that we were up against the, the defense so I was They would get the ball. And before I could get down on the defensive end, they had already scored. Which meant that I wasn't playing defense at all. Now it's time to play offense. That's a lot more fun, right? And before I could get back to my team playing offense, they had already scored. And all I was doing was going back and forth across the middle thing there. And I just walked over to the side and I quit playing basketball because all I was doing was I couldn't get down to the defensive end. I couldn't get down to the offensive end. I cheated a few times to just stand down there. Nobody even passed me the ball. And I was the president of the college, you know. But if people were serious about winning, they certainly didn't want to pass me the ball. So anyway, that's the way it all went. So, and uh, thankfully, I really didn't need the cane, and I still don't need it very much unless I'm walking for a long time, but it's called reality, getting older. And so I want to open up your thoughts and, and, and uh, to share w- with us this idea that there is a thing in culture, society, and life that's called reality. It's things that are really real. Our ministries... All of you, whatever your callings are, whatever God has spoken to you about, and much of what God has spoken to the students in this college, which is always true. Because God speaks to us, but we don't always fully understand what God wants us to do. We don't get the full picture. And most of us do not, at least early on, share this thing that we call a calling. We don't really understand it, but we know that there's something deep inside of us that God speaks to, something that is really real, that God talks to us about, our hearts. He comes to our hearts and gives us a calling. And those callings are very, very important, but the calling of God has to face the realities of your life. The reality of life is reality. So everything that you see and everything that you touch and everything that you observe, all of those things have significance of some kind. You've got to take a look at life and realize that there are things that really matter. Age really matters. So as you move along in your ministries and your, your work and your pastoring and your evangelism, whatever God calls you to do, there are realities within the context of that Calling. You're called to Africa, you're called there, you're Eastern Europe. you yeah, there's realities that, there's money realities, there's abilities, there's, there's government, there's all kinds of things we have to deal with. Even being a preacher puts within, uh, puts you in the situation where you've got to deal with reality. How do people perceive ministry for one thing? People have their own concepts of what preachers ought to look like. What they ought to think, what they ought to say, what they ought to be, how they should handle themselves, that's a reality. You may wish that would go away, but it doesn't go away. The way people look at you or the way people judge things, people are always judging things. And all of you are under some kind of judgment. And life is a mystery and the calling of God is a mystery. But it's the most powerful thing in the world, the calling of God upon our lives. I'd like for you to go to Romans chapter 1 and just take a look at this particular verse. Romans chapter 1, verse number 1 Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Everybody said called, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. I'm focused. This is a calling which he had promised a four of his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Just imagine what we're saying when we say that we are called of God. That is really profound. A call of God. How many believe in the calling of God? So the apostle says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, that's the reality of the calling. The first reality of the calling is the fact that you become a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, I get a little concerned about young people who do not have a sensitivity, an awe of the calling of God upon your life, the awe of it. Because you're going to be, ministry is not just a profession. It's not just something you're going to go out and do. You're going to have to face a real world with all of its nuances, with all of its this and that, and all of its pressure, and all of its reality. You're going to have to bring your ministry into the real world, where real things happen, and real things matter. Now, you may say, I'm not concerned about the way I look, but the way you look matters. You may say, well, I don't, I don't have to bow down to anybody, but Whether or not you have a humble spirit matters. And if you don't get some things right, you're going to be like a a preacher on a cane, so to speak. You're going to be hindered if you can't face reality. If you want to play basketball and you are crippled, I did the right thing. I got out of the basketball business because reality took place for me right here in this place. And it hasn't gotten any better. It's gotten worse. The only way I could win a game playing against you with the cane is if I hit you with this cane and knocked your brains out is the only way I could beat you. And I am tempted to do that on occasion when I see a bunch of guys playing. It's just reality. You may not want to dress up. But there's a little thing about the way people look at people. They make judgments. Maybe you don't like judgments and you may say... I don't want anybody to judge me. What are you, an idiot? People will judge you anyway. It doesn't matter. You can say, well, I do what I want to do. And no, there's a reality. You can't always do what you want to do. The calling of God is very important. When you are dating, and I'm going to address this both from the female side and the male side. And please, if I kind of get that mixed up. uh, don't be too sensitive about it. But if you are going to marry, if you, if you are a ma- let's just do the male side, all right? If you are a male and you decide that you are in love with this girl, she's in love with you, you know, even drinking a Diet Coke while you are preaching has a reality to it. Some people, if I did this every night at Calvary, there's some people that would say, I just can't stand Brother Mooney. It don't seem right for him to be preaching up there, doing his Diet Coke thing, or turning around and saying, could somebody go get me, a, uh, well, give me some kind of uh, thing from, no, you know, that coffee that has green signs all in it. Oh, Starbucks. That's, yeah. What's real popular in Starbucks? What? A caramel macchiato. You do know that company is just playing with your brain, don't you? All right. It's just, it's coffee with cocoa in it. It's not complicated. They got some really dumb people working in their store. It's not really complicated. for them. So you're standing up there and you're drinking your coffee. Oh, you got your Diet Coke. You got your jeans on and you're unbuttoned down to your belly hole. You better face reality because ain't everybody going to like that. When you get married, there's a reality to marriage. Marriage can interfere with a calling of God on your life. And if you plan male or female, either way you plan, maybe you're both got a calling of God on your life. Somebody help me now. I'm getting ready to preach to you. And you say, "Well, I'm going to pick a companion for my life." Remember this: you better pick a companion that understands what preaching is all about. And you, none of us have a right to misrepresent what a calling is. As a matter of fact, if you're going to get married and you have a calling on your life for ministry, the first thing you need to do is sit down and say, "Baby, let me ask you something: Are you prepared?" to be in the ministry because don't marry me and then try to make me into a lawyer or a teacher or something else. Because I want you to know, baby, I'm going to be a preacher and I'm going to go where the Lord calls me to go. And the moment you start trying to be the preacher's leader, you're going to be out of order because we need the present. Paul said, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. This thing matters and your attitude toward your calling really matters. We need some preachers in these last days that know what preaching involves, that understands the sacrifices that are necessary for us to reach this generation. We cannot have the foolish and the unprepared and the unanointed, we don't need any of these uns. And we need men and women when they marry and say, we're going to go into the missions work and we're going to go. Look, you can't play this out just according to your will and your fantasies and your ideas and your wishes. You've got to surrender that calling to Jesus Christ. Paul said, look at me, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. I don't have any options now. I've made my choice. There's only one thing I can do, and that's walk by faith and put my hand in the hand of the Almighty and ask him to lead me and guide me because I have submitted myself to a thing called a calling. And it doesn't matter what you think about it. Just because you are a preacher doesn't mean that the realities go away. People expect more out of you if you're a minister, a preacher, even a music preacher, or leader, whatever we call that, and preaching and teaching. People look to you and say, get with the program, do the right thing, do the right thing. Someone get John 15, so I don't have to look up all these scriptures and fumble around. Somebody just help me get there. Would you do that? Let's go to... Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 11-13 right in there. Can I get a reader up here, somebody with a bold voice? Brother Galligan, can you do it? Don't mess with me now. Reality is I'm going to hit you with my cane if you don't read with
2: Kilman's going
1: to do. Kilman's going to do it. Kilman can't focus long enough to really to really stay with this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 Verse number
2: 11.
1: I may have changed my mind there. Is that all right? Take your time. Second, what did I say? Second
2: Thessalonians. Second is in the New Testament. All right.
1: Second Thessalonians, chapter 1. How many have a call of God on your life of some sort? Let me, let me see your hands. Am I preaching to people that like to say, God has called me to preach. Now, I'm so. so what I'm here to talk to you about is that the reality of a calling. Yes, it's not a game, really. We can't, this is not about us choosing a profession. If you begin to say to your friends, to your family, I've got a calling of God on my life, you're saying something different than when you might say, well, I'd like to be a preacher. That's a different kind of thing. It, there's a depth to that word, calling. Callings are without repentance. For one thing, the whole the whole life begins to take on a completely different uh, element. Completely different elements. It it changes everything. It changes first of all as I am talking to you about now. It 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 changes. It changes your whole. Uh, dy- the whole dynamic of getting married. Right. Let's say. The worst hell you could create for yourself is to marry a woman who decides that she's going to make you into something else. You better talk about this before you pop the question.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, is that too strong? No. Because your companion, male or female, doesn't have a right. Once you say, you like to get up and say, oh... Grandma, God's called me to preach. Oh, Grandma, I'm so excited. I, and my friends, I'm called to preach. Preaching is not a profession. It's not a profession that this world even understands. As a matter of fact, you will gain no fan clubs from the world. not. Just because you say I'm going to be a preacher, as a matter of fact, there may have been a little time in Christian America when people respected and honored pastors and preachers and young people that had a call of, on their life. We know that because most of the universities, a good number, I would say we could say most of the universities in America were founded to train preachers. the millions and millions of dollars that were invested in education was to train people that were in charge, shall we say, of the church, the Christian church in all of its forms and all of its different expressions. That's what, that's what it was all about. It mattered. Today it does not matter so much. Let's read this little thing here in Thessalonians. Who had that for me? Where chapter, was it? Chapter 1. Chapter 1. Verse what? You didn't catch that? 11. 11. Eleven. Verse 11, 12, 13, right in there. Wherefore also we pray always for you. What? We pray for you. Paul said we always pray for you.
2: We always pray for you. That our God would count you worthy of this calling.
1: Now, let's, let's get into some profundity here. Let's talk about things that are profound. So read it again with feeling.
2: Wherefore also we pray always for you.
1: We do what? We pray for you. And now he's going to mention what exactly he's praying about. This is something the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Thessaloniki say. i got to get you to understand that there is a thing called reality. And reality is the call of God upon our lives. Read.
2: That our God would count you worthy of this and call. I
1: want you to get focused on this one fact, that you need to understand the vital attitude of your life after you say you've got a calling, the vital element, the most important element now is for you to know what?
2: And fulfill all the good pleasure of his Back goodness. Back up just
1: a little bit. Back up just a little bit. That our God would count you worthy. A reader worthy. has to keep the thought going for the preacher. This is old time, but it works pretty well. If, if you do it as a team, it can change the world. All right? Because I want, I want the students to know I'm reading out of the Bible. All right? So let's read again
2: wherefore i'm messing with you a little bit therefore wherefore also wherefore we pray excuse me Wherefore? always for you
1: always i'm praying always for you
2: that our god would count you worthy that
1: first of all i want to make sure that god you need to understand i'm praying for you not god i'm praying for you that you will understand that god has counted you worthy god has counted you worthy not your mama not your not your daddy not your pastor but God has counted you worthy. This ought to just stop you dead in your tracks. God has called me. I've got to get in the prayer room and talk about this. I've got to figure this out. I've got to make sure now that I have picked the right friends and the right companion for my life. My children are going to be a factor. You say, well, we'll just work all that out. No, reality is going to be reality. Everything from the moment we claim, am I saying this all right, Brother Rodenbush? From the moment we really sincerely from our hearts claim a calling for God, now everything matters. Everything from what we read, what we do, what kind of education we have, what kind of people we hang out with, everything. Read.
2: And fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness.
1: And you have been really blessed to do what? Fulfill all his the what? good
2: pleasure his, of his goodness.
1: And his goodness. This calling.
2: Read. And the work of faith with power. And do what? The work of faith with power.
1: Do the work of faith with what? Power. power. God's. does that excite you? Yes. Say power. 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 Say it better. Power. power. Thank you. Read that like you feel it.
2: And the work of faith with power. Power. What kind of power?
1: Holy Ghost power. God has called you and he's going to anoint your life in a very special way. And ministry is not a little toy for you to play around with. It's not just something that you can boast about. You're you're on a journey now. Amen. Sit down with that potential potential, uh, companion, male or female, and say, baby, I want you to know. I want you to know that I have got a call of God. I don't know where I'm going to go at this point. I may end up in Africa. Look, talk to these people that's sitting on the platform. And when they dealt with their callings, it was long before you knew you were going to go to Africa. It was long before you knew you were going to walk the streets of Germany for years and years, finding people and the right people. And those people now are extremely dedicated to the work of God. Give a big hand to all of these missionaries walking in the will of God. But walking by faith, depending on the Lord. The night we got married, Sister Mooney and I went out in the car, everything was finished. We were getting ready to to leave. I didn't even have a hotel room scheduled. The fifties were much more exciting way to live. It's just nobody had any brains in the fifties. It was really terrible. Plus you couldn't call, nobody had phones, you couldn't call, you didn't know and and some people Made a lot of plans. Mickey and I never had a lot of plans in life, but I'm not setting that up for an example. Just we we went out in the car, and uh, when we left Windfall, Indiana, we never came back. Not because we didn't want to come back; we just simply didn't know where we were going. And we prayed. And when we prayed, forgive me. I hope you don't take this as being some kind of braggadocious person, but the Holy Ghost came in that room, and I said, Mickey, when we drive out of Brother and Sister McGrew's parking lot, it's likely we will never come back here, because I feel something. The Lord has been working in our lives, and sure enough, everything from that moment till this very moment, we have trusted in God, and every day, I shouldn't say every day, we've obviously missed some days probably, but almost every day. We remind ourselves of the gifts and the callings and the provisions, everything. God, thank you for this nice house. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for all the people we met. Thank you, God, for how you took care of us. On the way back, we, our, our honeymoon was a very short honeymoon. We went Friday night. I didn't know... Where to go for our first night together as a couple, how embarrassing it was. People didn't even talk about that stuff. I don't even know what they expected kids to do in the 50s or 60s. And we ended up at Bob's Motel. I'm still embarrassed about it. Can you believe that? Take your bride to Bob's Motel. I know you like the name Bob, but I'm telling you, it was terrible. It's a good laugh now, but it's terrible. I'm telling you, it was terrible. And then we go up to Michigan. And we didn't know what, I didn't know and didn't have any plans made, so we, we hired a rowboat. We, we rented one and we paddled across, we paddled across, uh, across Paw Paw Lake. Any Michiganders here, you know where Paw Paw Lake is in. That's what I did on my, <laughs> my hands had blisters all in my hands. And then we, we felt like, well, on Sunday we were headed back because we both had jobs and we didn't have any. I had to get back to uh, seasonal Flynn and she had to get back to Delco Rimi. And we needed the money real bad because all the money was gone. And so we stopped. And here was the first ministerial mistake that I made. We stopped at a W church up in South Bend. My folks had some little acquaintance with the pastor. We weren't clo- close or anything. And I walked in and I explained to the uh, usher that we were on our honeymoon. He went up and told the pastor. And the pastor uh, came and said, uh, uh, Wow, we're glad you're here. Would you stay and preach for us tonight? On the honeymoon. And I said, no. Oh my goodness. That was a mistake. Because... I was a preacher now. And we got in the car and we started bawling. Somebody just asked us to preach. We should have preached. Yeah, that's right. you, can you believe this? We didn't say and think in our heart, and please, I'm not trying to grandize myself, but we, we had a sensitivity toward that thing called calling. We laugh about that now. And I don't think God judged us because we didn't preach on our honeymoon. But I'm just saying... There was something about that that still kind of stays in us. And then from there, it was God's direction and God's will and God's purposes. And that's what I'm trying to talk to you about tonight. I've chosen you. Look at John 15 and verse number 16. Mark Mark this little verse in John 15, verse number 16. And we'll read 16, 17, 18, and 19. What does it say?
2: Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen. What,
1: what, what, what?
2: Ye have not chosen me.
1: Try to read that with some feeling or I'm going to have to fire you. You've got to call a God in your life. Read that with me. Ye have not chosen. You're preaching with me. Think of yourself as preaching with me right now. And if you was preaching what I'm preaching right now and you got to this verse, you know I'm kidding (laughs) you. Yes, sir. (laughs) That's another reality. You got to have a right attitude that you can be friends and tease one another. All right. So read. Read now like you're preaching and you know that what I need is some emotion here. Yes, sir. So you're not giving me any emotion. I'll start crying. You start crying here right now. All right. (laughs) Fake tears. Oh, God, help this man. Read.
2: Ye have not chosen me. What, what? Ye Ye have have not chosen
1: me. You did not choose me. You think it's all in your hands, but it's not all in your hands. Ladies and gentlemen, your life, once you begin to deal with the calling of God, no longer is your life. Your children are going to be involved. Your companion is going to be involved. If you're marrying a woman that's planning on guiding your life, get away from her now. Don't wait next week. Just break this up. Because you don't want to be a doctor or a lawyer or such. You want to be a preacher. Now that doesn't mean... That doesn't mean that there's not other elements of things that unfold in your life and other professions maybe you have qualifications for and you advance your education. Am I saying this right? Because I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way. What I'm trying to say is even though you may develop yourself, what is it that you hold dearest? And what is it that grips your mind and your soul even though you may be in a different little situation for a while? But every step that you take fits into your ministry and whatever abilities or talents or education you may gain along the way fits into this calling of God. Ye have not chosen me, I chose you. God said, I chose you and what else? And what? And ordained you. That you should go
2: and And bring forth. And what did I
1: ordain you to do? To go and do what?
2: Bring forth fruit.
1: Go, 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 go. You're a preacher now, go and do what? Bring Bring forth forth fruit. fruit. Read. And that
2: your fruit should remain.
1: Bring forth fruit and your fruits, the kinds of things you're trying to accomplish here, are eternal things. Things that remain. What I'm trying to do right now by the help of the Holy Ghost is to preach you out of your own selfishness. To preach you out of your own concepts. To preach you out of your own feeling about your destiny. To help you to put aside every weight and every sin. And to stop thinking about what you're going to do. And what kind of ministry you're going to have. And where you're going to pastor. That's not what God wants from you. He wants you to yield to him. He called you. You didn't call God to walk with you. God called you to walk with God. And he expects you to put your hand in his hand. Put your calling in his hand. Put your family in his hand. Put your, put your marriage in his hand. Put your thinking. You're not mama's little boy anymore. You're not daddy's little little uh, baseball player now. You are a preacher. You are a man of God. You are a person that stepped into a place, a spot, a calling, a calling. You didn't choose God. He chose you to bring forth fruit that your fruit should, should remain, remain. That, read, whatsoever read, read, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the, Father in, of my the name, Father in my name,
2: he may give it you.
1: Now, what is that? That's a relationship. Yes, right. So, we're building now from the day of that calling a relationship. A relationship with one who has called him to be our leader. And commanding us to bring forth fruit that will remain And if you will do this, whatsoever you shall ask Ask in my my name, he will give it to you in my name. Mm -hmm. That's a complicated challenge, but it has to do with functioning, walking within the context of the reality of God for your life. Wow. It is all profound. It is very, very important. Could I tell you something? Activity, just activity, church activity is not the same as accomplishing something with your life. Oh, they're going to give me a singing part in the choir, so what? Oh, they're going to let me preach at the youth rally. so what? It's not about those little things, all of that, that you think what you need to do is to... Am I in the Bible here?
3: Yeah.
1: Read that again. I, think, I, I, don't think they, they, I don't think they think I know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm preaching to you, and I'm not on a cane right now. Listen to me. Because right. if you don't listen to me, I'm going to take my cane and hit you on the head with it. Because you've got to accomplish something. Yes. And what does God want you to accomplish? Fruit that does not yes. get spoiled. He wants real church. He wants a real moving of the Spirit. We have never faced a day quite like this day. I know you hear me say that a lot. And am, am I out of time? No, sir. Okay. We, we, you know, you should know at least, hopefully you do know, that you are facing a kind of culture collapse that probably we could say, certainly in the history of the United States. Now, it's happened to other places. So we know how to look at what, how to look at this day and this moment because we know how a moral and spiritual uh, decay looks like. We can look in Europe and see it. We can see it in uh, many places in South America. And we're seeing it in America right now, right here in the United States. And you're living in that kind of world. You've got to step up and say, Lord, help us to build some churches that will last and that can fight through the darkness, and overcome the circumstances that we have in this particular time. And we want to accomplish something. We don't need another program for somebody to write for God's sake. We need somebody with a burden. Don't just spend the rest of your life writing little programs for children's ministry and little programs for this and little programs for that. Maybe you need to just open your mouth and see if God will fill it. Maybe sometimes you need to walk to the pulpit and say, God, you've got to get this out of me because my mind's not strong enough. My ability is not great enough, but you called me, God. I don't even know why you called me. My daddy didn't want me to be a preacher. My mama didn't even want me to be a preacher. Nobody in the church thought that I could ever be a preacher because I don't speak very well or I have a little backwardness and I don't get this and I don't get that and I I don't seem all that bright but see that's not even the point. It's God that's calling you. It's not grandma calling you. It's not your pastor calling you. It's God that's placing something in your hand. An opportunity. And that same God is going to be the empowering God. It's going to be the God that leads you and guides you. Not only in truth but he's going to take you to your destination. To your purpose. He's going to open the doors. Can I get a witness? He's going to make a way where there seems to be no and you need to say without him i could do nothing and when you say i'm going to be a preacher that puts you in the real world more than you ever realize so a real preacher should not be scanning the internet to see the nastiest looking doggy movie star and then you come to church with Your new hairdo and your new clothes, it's not God guiding you, it's your flesh that's guiding you. Because you want to be cool. Drop cool. Go to the White House. You don't see no slobs there. There's a reality there. That's right. You need to be ready. This is why we have a little bit of a dress code here at IBC is just to discipline you with the horror of it. Because there's a real world you got to move into. And you got to be ready for it. Amen. You need to look like a preacher and act like a preacher and walk like a preacher, not in an arrogant haughty way. That's right. Yeah. And you say, "Well, I got a good program for the church." There's no such thing as a good program for the church. Yeah. Yeah. Wait on the Holy Ghost. Wait for the Spirit of God to move. Hit the prayer room, give a little time. And you say, "Well, I I found a book and I've written down a sermon. Come on, please, gentlemen and ladies." Don't just try to preach what Charles Spurgeon preached in his day. First of all, he was a Baptist. And secondly, he was a genius, which you probably are not. And he didn't do anything, but they put a big carriage in front of his church and took him up to his mountain cabin where he lived for six days and wrote sermons. That's all he did. And drank coffee and other stuff, probably. Uh, I shouldn't say that. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that he was drinking other stuff by uh, alcoholic stuff, I was thinking of just stuff. I don't even know what I was thinking. Uh, uh, mochas from... Uh,
2: Starbucks.
1: <laughs> what's that coffee place? Starbucks. Starbucks. That's what I meant. Are you all right? Amen. And, and, and maybe you're not going to have that kind of life where somebody picks you up in a Cadillac and takes you to your little cabin so you can preach your next evangelistic sermon. God may put you in a little mission somewhere and you get up every day and you're trying to be pastor and psychologist and helper and and you're trying to get somebody jobs and you got bailing people out of jail and you think, well, God has called you. And ladies, let me tell you this. If you plan getting about three or four years into this and then you get so disappointed because you don't have a big house and you don't have a big car, shame on you. Don't tell a man that you'll go anywhere he wants you to go, and then you renege on that commitment. One of the first things I ask people when they come, and parents don't like this, I can tell you, but the first thing I say is, do you understand that if I marry you, not that that's the most important thing in the world, that I marry somebody, but if I do it, I'm going to put some wedding vows in there. Till death do us part. You've not chosen me. I've chosen you. Right. So let's get this settled in our minds. That we've got to accomplish something. We need a burden. We need to leave, live in reality. God has chosen us. Amen. It's profound. It's just unbelievable. The calling of God upon us. Exodus 14, verse number 13, and I close. Have I made any sense at all today? I'd like to tell you more stories. It's not bad to to tell stories. You say, well, how did it all happen? Well, somebody said, would you go up and preach at a church in Muskegon, Michigan? And yeah, we'll go up there. We just gotten settled down in our little apartment, and we still had our jobs. And uh, I worked with a man named John. Is it all right? Just a little bit of story. Sure. And uh, John was a genius. He was really genius. And we uh, we would stay after work to try to figure out a little company called Seasonal Flynn, and I worked there right after I got married. And John was such a genius, and he uh, kind of put his arm around me. He was like a Jim Sleva, but not quite as smart as Jim Sleva. But and it took hours to to manufacture the products of aluminum products, put them in the trucks, and they had stickers on the sides of the doors and uh, and the windows and other products that they made out of aluminum. And uh, uh, so when they when they was looking for something that needed to be shipped to Omaha or Chicago or New York or wherever. They had to go and read these tags and it took long, long times. it took hours. So we stayed after the, uh, after the bell rang and uh, we started, John and I started working on, couldn't we figure out a way that so we can load trucks faster? And it just dawned on us that, what if we said everything going to Chicago is red, and everything going to St. Louis is yellow, and everything going to Pennsylvania was green, and we went out with our own money, and we bought all these stickers, and we color-coded them, and we had them printed. It took us several days, about a week, and then we started going down and teaching without any, had any advice. We didn't talk to any supervisors. We just got all the people, and uh, we put them together, And we trained them (laughs) behind the scenes. And all of a sudden, we started putting up these stickers. And we were loading trucks because we had a truck going to such and such a place. All we had to do was find. We didn't even have to look at the numbers or anything. All we had to do was look at the color. It changed everything. It also changed my life. Just that one little thing. Because at the same time that God was trying to call Mickey and I to quit our jobs and to go on the evangelistic field, at the same time, the president of seasonal Flynn in Pennsylvania offered me the job of opening up a brand new factory along with my friend John in Lebanon, Indiana. Tremendous money. At the same time, money, position. The one thing was a devil thing, and the other thing was a God thing. And if you think that's easy to deal with, it's not. But to top it off, I get a call. I get a call from the guy that put me in the radio business at 15 years old. Sports casting, man on the street. It makes you very, very popular in school to be a disc jockey or to be a sports announcer, and that's what I did. Even though I was going to church, my mother was praying every day. The day I walked out of the studio, the guy was throwing uh, those big platters. What, what were they, 33 and a half? And he was throwing them like saucers. and I was ducking, they were splattering all over the room. He was cussing me out because I decided I wasn't gonna go to church that morning. I was working the microphone, and, but something got a hold of me. So then I got an offer, two offers. But there was a call. There was a call. This, this was tough things for young, kind of stupid people. This was after I married. Now, I'd already quit the radio, but the radio guys was calling us and asking us to come back. So we had two great offers. But ask me how I feel about it now. Thank God. For the wonderful privilege to say yes, he chose me. That changed everything. And from that day when we settled it all, whatever it was, no more story, but there were a lot of little things, but we've never been disappointed. Can I get a witness? What about you, Brother Sleva? What about you, Brother Turner? What about you, Brother Rodenbush? What about you? Are you kind of glad that you followed that calling? Because you never could find in the world the same wonderful privilege that God gives you. He chose me. Mama, I know what you wanted me to be. But God has got something for me. It'll not all come into focus in one day. Matter of fact, some things God has already spoken to some of you, I would advise you not to tell your friends because they won't believe you. Just hold it in your heart and wait on the Lord. Stand with me. I've preached too long, I'm sure. Thank you for letting me talk to you about the calling. Now, one little review. I want you to listen. Because what I'm going to say to you now, I really feel led of the Holy Spirit to speak to you about this. I think I've already mentioned it to Brother Rodenbush, Rob, and Jay. I said, I want to say something to the students. Don't plan to get married and shift your focus away from real callings. Now, it's possible you could have a calling that you think it is a calling, but maybe as you go through life, you'll see, well, it wasn't a calling because sometimes there are emotional factors that play in. There's a real life out there, and you're going to live it, and it will have its... Wonders and struggles, and you got to face all the realities. You may not be so talented, you may not, you may be kind of on a cane trying to play basketball, whatever, but wait on God, He'll be with you. But if you're going to make this calling, make this calling and election Sure. sure, so you know this is for real, and we're not going to look back. So just so we can kind of break the cycle of, of uh, coming forward. Not that there's nothing wrong with that. I do it all the time. Right where you are. Let's not even move. And lift your hands up to the Lord. If, you've, if you've, you may not have a direct calling yet, but you've got something working inside of you. I want you to just pray and say, God, here am I, Lord. Can you pick a song for us? And let's just sing this song. Let's sing it in a worshipful way, but also in a surrendering way. Make your calling an election. I will be what you've
3: called
1: me to to
3: be. There it is. That's a good song. I'll I'll say yes. Lord, I agree. My desire. Understood what I preached to you today? Passionately, put God first to in your life. Be what
1: you've called me to your first be. romance needs to be with your calling. That's what I'll be. That doesn't mean you can't be a great father. It doesn't mean you can't be a fantastic wife or husband.
3: I will but you got to put the calling in it, you ladies and gentlemen. Because. Preaching life
1: I'll say is yes, not like any other life. Can I get a witness over there? Nothing Lord, like it. I Pastoring, there's nothing My like it.
3: Desire. And it's not easy work.
1: You need to respect your pastor. It's not easy work. Is to be what you now, call here's to the call. If you're ready to surrender. That's I like either kneeling or just coming forward. You don't have to do the same thing we always do. But anybody here, why don't you just come and say, I'm ready. Whatever God's, you don't have to know right now. You could be four or five years away from really understanding what God's trying to do in your life. You may pastor a little church somewhere. and All of a sudden, God moves you to another place. The journey is not your journey. But God will watch over you. That's why we're here. This is what IBC is about. To be. We need to learn.
3: Academics
1: are vital. We don't have a passport to be foolish or uneducated. But it's what God speaks to your heart that really matters. Are you ready? Are you ready right now? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Not one of these. Not one of these teachers up here. Knew that they were going to be at IBC. It's Brother Gallion. He loves Alaska. But God took you out of Alaska. He wanted to be there. Thought his whole life was here. But here he is working with you. And who knows what God has for him in the future. There was a school teacher in Illinois. Top of the line. But one day God touched them. And the next thing you know. They're in Africa. I agree. Are you ready? Calling, calling, calling. Raise your hand right now and say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Alright, let's sing it.
3: Hallelujah. That's what I'll But I
0: Hey, if you are in the Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, or Tennessee area, you're going to want to check out indianabiblecollege.org forward slash tours because Corral Tour is headed your direction. And on that page, you can find out when we will be where. If you're in the Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, South Dakota, Nebraska area, You're going to also want to head to indianabiblecollege.org forward slash tours because Praise Tour is coming in your area. We look forward to seeing you out on the road. God bless.